0: Good day, good afternoon, good whenever it is you are listening to this. Thank you very much for listening to this. You are checking out yet another Woke and Baked. All right, ladies, gents, others, my guest today is none other than Michael Skinner of the Kenai Historical Society. We actually recorded this podcast inside of, well, Old Town Kenai. And we get into that as we get into what it is the Kenai Historical Society does, and we talk a little bit about Kenai history. So thank you very much for Michael Skinner being able to take the time to sit down and talk with us. By the way, he did want me to make a very specific note. During the sit-down, he says that Abraham Lincoln was a Democrat. Michael called me, texted me, reached out to me to let me know very specifically that Abe Lincoln was a Republican and not a Democrat. It was very important to him that I put this at the very beginning of the podcast so that you know that he made a mistake and he was able to make the correction later on. Anyway, we don't always get to do that, but this time we got it done. All right, very solid thank you to my supporters. Iron Asylum, located at 35165 KB Drive, behind Save You More. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook, as well as their website, theironasylumgymak.com. The gym is open 24 hours a day. Personally, I like going in the morning. I think that it sets the tone for the rest of the day. And... If you like going at 2 o'clock in the morning, you can do that. They're open 24 hours a day. Call 907-953-4720 for more information. The website, again, theironasylumgymak.com. All right, Red Run Cannabis Company, located on the Kenai-Spur Highway. They are the growers of fine cannabis, the brewmeisters of Hashade, and now Blueberry Hashade. They also make caps, honey sticks, and now peanut butter, which is bought directly from the peanut farmers. All right, They also carry flour, concentrates, decarb oil, and cartridges. And because Red Run has their own manufacturing facility, they can pretty much beat anybody's prices. They also carry edibles from Lady Grey, Baked Alaska, Glacier Gummies, Creative Confections, and many many more. They also carry Frontier CBDs. Be sure to ask your bud tender for suggestions and check out their website, redruncannabiscompany.com for more information as well as weed maps for their current menu. Hash Aid is available at finer dispensaries all over the great state of Alaska. So if you're in Sitka or you're in Fairbanks or you're in Anchorage, there is a place for you to go to get the best Tasting lemonade you will ever have with THC in it. I can't, you know, compare it to other lemonades that don't have THC because those lemonades don't have THC. So this is a completely different lemonade. Also, 5150 Vapes located in the heart of Soldatna, They are your home for American-made CBD vape products with over 240 flavors of juices to choose from. They have coils, mods, and pretty much anything else you could possibly want or need for your vaping uh, stuff. Whatever, whatever you need for vaping, they got it. All right, now June 27th, 49th State Audio Addicts are hosting yet another car audio show at Alaska Car Shop on K-Beach. So thank you very much to their sponsors, Matt Plant at 5 Star Realty, gpcaraudio.com, Hillbilly Customs, Woke and Baked Media, Coca-Cola of Alaska, Mad Creations Tattoo, and Outlaw Customs. That is June 27th at 7 p.m. in the parking lot of Alaska Car Shop. Next up, Lady Grey Metables, makers of fine edibles, breath mints, ice cream, birch syrup, cookies, and suppositories. But back to cookies, if you have an out-of-state guest who is a connoisseur of quality cannabis confections, they make the finest cookies that you can think of. This is the cookie for you. If you have a coffee order that has 15 very specific ingredients, then these are the desserts that you want. They also make ice cream. And I kind of mentioned that a little bit back before, that they make ice cream. But yes, they make it with Peruvian cocoa. So hear me out. If you're looking for a fully infused milkshake, you can get some of the stony milk, uh, stony moose milk. They've got it in vanilla as well as chocolate. You can throw in a wee bit of the Lady Grey ice cream and the Red Run peanut butter, and you can make yourself a nice, tasty treat that will get you really stoned. Alright, so if you think of a good name for that milkshake, let me know, drop it in the comments, drop it on the Instagram comments, drop it anywhere. Drop it like it's hot, but it wouldn't be hot because it's a milkshake. Alright, Lady Grey's products are uh, are available all over the great state of Alaska, so if you're looking for some Lady Grey cookies, check with your favorite Alaskan dispensary. All right, AK49 martial arts slash Bang Muay Thai slash Mountain Brazilian Jiu Jitsu located in the Peninsula Center Mall. Classes are back to normal. I did the 6 p.m. class this evening. It was coached by the AFC's 135-pound champion. Mr. Victor Rodriguez for more information and their current schedule be sure to check out AK49 Martial Arts on Facebook or at AK49 Martial Arts on Instagram also included in the description are links to some of the things that we discuss on the podcast so yeah let me know let me know what your thoughts are alright ladies, gents, and others here's Michael Skinner
1: Seem to give people in the media, and the news, and just humans in general a chance that they are good uh, and trying to do something well. But in the case of Sean Hannity, it's not impossible that you know all the news. Like as soon as it happens, suddenly Sean Hannity knows everything that happened. He did all the investigative reporting. No, it's a crew that's you know collecting all this shit, and then they're telling him what to say out. Know,
0: so my one of my issues with Sean Hannity, and this is, this is across the board, this is with your Rachel Maddows, this is with your Bill O'Reillys, this is all these guys, they exist in 12-minute segments to get you angry and then try and sell you uh, the spin that you want to hear after the commercial break. They'll get all flustered and angry and bah, 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 bah. we're going to solve the problem after we sell you some products. Um, And what it is, what they sell you is uh, Mm -hmm. food that's not good for you, um, uh, a medication to uh, help uh, overcome and and deal with the side effects of the shitty food you've been eating, and then a vehicle to push you into debt for the next five years. So Sean Hannity exists for those things and, and any one of those media representatives that's kind of what they do. And, and they do it just depending on whatever side of the, the argument you're on. Whether you're on the left or whether you're on the right or whether you're in the center or whether you just love America. Um, you know, like, those people exist only to get you upset. Like, legitimately, I get better information from RT than I do oh, yeah. uh, from, from Fox News. But because it's, it's Russia today, we have a, we have a, a fear of it. Um, and and I get like, you have to you have to own your biases, and at least they're owning theirs.
1: When I came back from the army, I was a Fox News addict. That's all I watched, and, and uh, I remember watching Shepard Smith a lot. And Shepard Smith was just he was the Lindsay Lohan news anchor. He talked about Lindsay Lohan so much about. Her detecting an alcohol detector on her ankle that picked up it, you know picked up some alcohol or something and now and then she was on probation it, was, it it was not anything anyone needs to know about, and that was it. He was selling it he was selling it well uh, I don't think they're real people, I think they are actors that maybe yeah they, they probably are conservative in a, in a lot of ways, but they are making a lot of money by putting on this face. Uh, Even when Alex Jones was in his uh, divorce uh, trial, he said a lot of what he does is enact his aggression um, in terms of defending his wife's allegations of abuse or something. Yeah. Yeah. And,
0: And people, a lot of people took that as Alex Jones, saying that Alex Jones is fake. But all of these cats, right? Alex Jones, Rachel Maddow, Sean Hannity, all these cats... They're all ju- they're all selling the way they present the information. They're all providing you with the same information with their with like their um, their news media slant. Like their, if Sean Hannity came out and said, you know what, I am a big fan of whatever that he's supposed to be opposed to, um, a lot of people would would roll with him. So he's got a weird. They've all got this weird sort of power that people listen to and that they look to, um, and an influence. But it's, but it's people that were already predisposed to feeling that way anyway. It's weird hearing Sean Hannity sell CBDs. Like the shit makes me uncomfortable. Really?
1: Yeah. I didn't know
0: that. Yeah. <laughs> so he um,
1: CBDs and vapes. He, Sean Hannity sells. CBDs and vapes.
0: Yeah, if you listen to his radio show, yeah, he's he's selling <laughs> CBDs. Now, don't worry, it's not gonna, it's not gonna cause a, this. CBD is not a drug. Yeah, there's no, uh, there's no side effects. It's it's not THC. Uh, this is medicine. Da, 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 da. And he was uh, also selling, I believe it was Blue, uh, the little vape cartridges, or Jewel. Jewel. I believe it was Jewel, which. Is what they're catching the kids with, right? So like Sean Hannity is the guy, um, the guy pushing jewels, He's pushing these uh, these little thumb drive shaped vape cartridges, um, and that's what you, kids are being caught with. Kids aren't being caught with like those hundred dollar box mods that you get at a place like fifty one fifty vapes. Um, they're not getting like the thirty dollar bottles of juice. They're getting the shit you buy at, at the gro or at, not the grocery store at the gas station. Which by the way, just about anything you get at the gas station is not good for you. Whether it's boner pills, cigarettes, or your 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 vape sticks, right? Like if it you have to get it from behind the counter at a gas station, it's probably not good for you. And <clears throat> and trust me, I've taken my fair share of gas station boner pills. Blue Rhino? Um, Rhino, Rhino sixty nine, Gorilla sixty nine, yeah.
1: What is it? Just a lot of uh, vitamins and. Sugar. I didn't even read the
0: back, but I just took it yeah. and and got busy. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Have you tried Cilendafil? No. It's generic Viagra. Ah. Yeah. Good time. Talk to your VA doctor. Ask <laughs> your VA doctor about Cilendafil. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, so let's kick this. Let's get this thing, this show, on the road, as it were. Okay. All right, we are in uh, we're Not on the phone. We're here in person. We're in. Where are we?
1: We're at my work. I'm. Uh, I'm working right now. I'm getting paid for this. And uh, we are at the um, Kenai Historical Park, Cabin Park, rather. And um, this is a place I worked at since 2013. It is directly behind uh, Paradosos and. Uh, Across the street from the American Legion on Main Street in Kenai. Uh, I'm having this podcast today because, well, I want to share with the public um, what I do and the importance of uh, Kenai history, but also to illustrate the fact that we are not getting very many visitors um, this summer for obvious reasons, and um, to get the community out and walk in and learning, uh, exercising their brains
0: as well as themselves physically. So we we're actually physically in the Miller Cabin, if I'm not mistaken. We're in a
1: cabin that was built in 1910. It's known as the Millard Cabin, based off of the um, the wonderful woman who lived here. She was living in Kalafonsky Village. Um, more on that later, if you care to know. Uh, that was in Kasilof, and then in um, 19 thir- 1930s, um, smallpox nearly wiped out that village and every other village for that matter. Um, uh, side note, it's uh, just interesting how um, I've s- spoken about the native population in Alaska being wiped out not having any immunities to pathogens, and then here we are today. Um, lack of people being here also due to pathogens and disease. Um, her name is Fiona Miller. She Again, she lived in this cabin. She was a midwife. She was a storyteller. She was um, a medicinal healer. Um, basically, pharmacist, therapist, um, nurse, a lot of jobs uh, in, in one, and that's why this cabin is so big because she lived here, while also um, having a quarantine area, which is back uh, t- towards the rear of the cabin. Um, and you know, in this time period, uh, the average man in San Francisco was uh, died at the age of 43. And this woman died at uh, 94. And this is during a time of massive uh, pandemic for the native population.
0: Was she a native woman?
1: Yes, she was, yes.
0: Okay. Um, so, so rolling back to, uh, to 1910, what can you tell us about uh, turn of the, the century Kenai?
1: Well, the turn of the century, um, that being the 20th century, Saw a lot of change for the people who lived here, mostly being the, the native people, the Kanaitse, and of uh, the larger Denaina tribe. Um, during that time, you saw a paradigm shift with religion, and uh, also with just a general way of life. Um, with these mass pandemics that killed estimated over fifty percent of the population in Alaska, um, you we you saw a um, I guess a uh, the prior native healing ways of using r- traditional remedies, as well as you know s- the um, manipulation of spirits, wasn't quite working anymore with measles, with diphtheria, with smallpox, and they're dying in droves. And you had these Russian um, priests who were um, new to the state, and they um, some did very well in convincing the Native people to try their way of healing, which was um, through vaccinations. And uh, with the vaccinations came the the change, the movement towards Christianity, because the priests were the ones who brought it. Um, You have the memorial uh, building of um, St. Nikolai here in Old Town Kenai. It's not the church, it's the smaller building. He was the saint who came here and brought with him uh, the vaccines um, and I'm now what I'm about to tell you comes from Dr. Boris who recently passed away this last fall um, in the native um, culture and the native belief system uh, the natives believe that if something bad happened whether it be a death or a disease or you know, lack of salmon uh, to catch um, it was because somebody said something and um, Bad uh, or improper—it's um, because somebody said something, did something, or thought something. Whatever it was that somebody thought, um, that's enough to cause you know lack of salmon the next year. And that was their belief, and for the native people who grew up in that um, belief system, it was quite an easy transition to just believe that everything happens because of a, a, a spiritual deity of a god, and. Um, that also aided in the transition from um, uh, their sometimes their th- older theism to um, Christianity. So that's to answer your question. That's what happened. Uh, the greatest shift um, in the, for the people who lived here in Kenai and Alaska.
0: Now, when and, we start talking about uh, more recent, um, when Kenai became a place that people really started living. People started tri- moving up here. Um, I was with you when we ran into uh, the late Professor Boris mm-hmm. um, while walking Salteshi Trails, and he was saying that um, the first year-round industry to, to come to the Kenai Peninsula was Wildwood Air Force Base. Um, yes. Um, so when was that? First, first like, federal institution. Well... If I recall correctly, it was the first thing it was the the first thing that went year round like it was it was okay, a, that's
1: yeah, that's true because fishing was a huge industry, but of course we know it's seasonal. Um, yeah, the first uh, I guess you could call it a business or some type of agency that employed people year round um, and also added to the economy immensely was um, Seward station. That's what the that's what this u s Army fort was called Seward station. Um, later, after so much mail from Seward was sent to Kenai, and so much of Kenai's mail was sent to Seward, they changed it from Seward Station to Wildwood, because that's the, uh, are you taking a picture? I am taking a picture. <laughs> this is official. <laughs> because, um, that Wildwood, according to some researchers, that's the name that the Native people gave that area of land, um, that we now know as Wildwood, Wildwood Drive, um, yeah, and it started out as a as an army base, switched over to air force, and the the purpose of the base was to uh, collect and gather uh, Russian intel um, by way of intercepting code and uh, different differing frequencies. And get this, when I did interview Dr. Boris last year, he was telling me about when he was a teacher. He was, but by the way, Wildwood was then transitioned from the military to the native. Community and they used the inst- installation to um, get students, uh, underprivileged students, their GEDs uh, to help out the, the native people in the area, as well as they use their um, bowling alley uh, and their movie theater, so it was like, you know, it was a like pretty hot, happen place for a time period. So Dr. Boris was there teaching people, teaching students, and he said that he bore witness to. Uh, the dismantling of this communication mechanism that involved connecting to different channels wirelessly and sending communication the internet and uh, he told me that that was one of the first places on earth that the internet what we now know as the internet was being used was here in Kenai, Alaska. So because of the uh, collecting and and jamming of uh, Russian-Soviet communications that gave um, gave birth to what we now know as the Internet. And
0: so, it, weird side note, if, for those of you who like old military movies, by the way, Keenig's still a happening spot, as you can hear from the planes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so if you, uh, if you watch old uh, military movies, 50s, 60s, uh, into the 70s, they would talk about sending people to a radar station in Alaska, never to be heard from again. Was, Wildhood, was Wildwood that uh, that radar station?
1: It could have been. Or um, been like several of them. I there, se- there were several um, several outposts, and Wildwood, or excuse me, Alaska was not a place you would want to get sent at the time. But the, from the people that I've spoken to who were stationed here in Wildwood, um, they loved their time in Alaska. Uh, Clearly,
0: they stuck around.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they, they did that as well. But, um, I mean, I've, I've also gone through a lot of the archives. That They have their own little Facebook groups now, those old veterans from back in the day. And uh, it's just so cool seeing, like, these people that look like they're they're wearing 70s attire, but they're right next to Beaver Loop, you know? And, and you like, oh, I know where that is. And um, what's it called? Avant-garde, when you take... A picture of like George Washington, but he's playing an electrical guitar. Yeah, that like juxtaposition—it's like, well, that's that's awesome.
0: So, in, in your in your opinion, what are some of the uh, coolest, most interesting, lesser-known facts about the history of Kenai? We've spoken previously on the on the podcast about the Battle of Kenai.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think the Battle of Kenai is so under rug swept. It's such an interesting part of our history, and not not just Kenai's history, but the whole of Alaska. I mean, Kenai was considered by Alexander Baranov to be the capital of Alaska. It was perfect. It's right there, kind of in the middle, and uh, you could great great fish, great wildlife, um, and then they were learning of better and better soil as they um, probed further into Alaska for um, for agricultural purposes, and um, yeah, you could you could see the, the the inlet itself was great for security. You could see somebody coming. You could um, set up outposts and be an observer of you know hundreds of miles of ocean, because at the time Portugal and and um, England uh, and Spain were you know the other three competitors that were vying for Alaska to you know, say claim it was theirs. So. Um, Anyway, yeah, going back, Battle, Battle of Kenai, um, really interesting topic um, because it changed the Russians' view or position in Alaska from owning it via Kenai to going further towards Sitka and Juneau and the Panhandle, which didn't grow any crops and also had very fierce natives who didn't put over their shit. And uh, yeah, so if they had stayed in Kenai, this very well may have um, been the capital and Possible that Russia would not have ever dared you know, sell it to somebody.
0: But. So speaking of selling, um, right now uh, is sort of a there's a petition going to remove the statue of William Seward um, from Juno. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I've never heard of that before, but um, and I like to I like to hear their some their point their position before. Um, saying I'm against it, but I think William Seward was a pretty um, pretty great guy in history. We need more guys like William Seward. He was the governor of New York. He was then a senator from New York. He was the number one Democratic pick for the, 18, the election of 1860. And then he got beat out somehow by this amateur... Um, um, representative uh, from from Illinois, and <laughs> which you know it's it happens today, but we know now that was Abe Lincoln. He wasn't supposed to ever make it. It was supposed to be Seward. Um, having been beaten by Lincoln, Seward vowed to support Lincoln um, because he knew he was more experienced than Lincoln was, uh, and not to mention she, he supported the cause. Um,
0: They're both abolitionists, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: um, then the night Lincoln was killed, it was going to be a Confederate three-pronged attack to ta- take the head off of um, the Union, and that was to, uh, <laughs> no pun intended, take out Lincoln, take out Johnson, and take out Seward. Yeah, uh, Lincoln, we know what happened. Johnson, it was a failed suicide attempt because the the um, p- person that was doing lookout, gateway driver, on a horse. Um, took off without him, so the the attacker didn't go through with the plan. Not to mention Johnson was not very. He had he was a slave owner. I mean, he he could relate very well with the South, and that's the reason why Lincoln picked him to be his his VP pick um, because he could relate to the you know more people on the on the other side of the party. Seward was um, at the same night. Seward's at
0: his house. Uh, the weapon misfired. I remember well, a weapon misfiring. Go ahead, I'm sorry.
1: Okay, It's fine. Um, yes, there was a misfire, fire, firing of a weapon, but um, two, three days prior to the assassination, Seward's riding a horse, falls off, breaks his collarbone, so he's in bed for, you know, for who knows how long. Um, fast forward to the assassination day, um, guy comes up to the, his Seward's house, knocks on the door, and he says, I have Mr. Seward's medicine and a his son, Seward's son, was like, it's like 8 p.m. What are you doing delivering medicine to my house? And uh, unless it's Celindafil, then, <laughs> then I'll take it. But uh, anyway, the guy barges in and um, runs up the stairs. He, he shoots at uh, one of the, either the son or a servant. That doesn't work. I think he does stab uh, uh, one of the sons eventually. But it, he does make it into Seward's room where he's sleeping, laying face up. And the assassin stabbed him five times in the face and the throat and then looked and thought he was obviously dead. And then the guy ran out. And uh, Seward spent over a year recovering from that and then made a full recovery. Um, the reason why you see Seward's picture and he's facing one direction uh, it's because the other side of his face is you know, mangled pretty bad. But uh, yeah, and then he afterwards proceeded with his... Um, plans he had already had in motion with the Russian government even before the Civil War. He had already made friends and, um, you know, had some dealings. Going back, why? what do I think about the taking down of Seward's statue? Um, well, I don't really have an opinion on it. I'm just kind of telling you what I, what, what I like about the guy. Uh, after his he survived the assassination attempt, he did meet with um, the Russian officials about Alaska. And check this out. Uh, the Russians came to him with an offer. They said, Alaska, $5 million. And Seward said, no, $7 million. And the Russians said, wait, what? You're offering us more? He said, basically, it's, this is why it's known as the Midnight Deal. He said, we got to do it now, because if I put this through Congress, it's never going to get passed. So, do you agree to, you know, uh, sell it for $7 million? And they said yes, and then uh, Seward even tacked on two hundred grand to that. That's why it's $7.2 million, um, so that it can just happen now. Let's get it done now. Then, check this out. He, the United States is under um, Reconstruction. Russia had just won- lost a war, the Crimean Peninsula, um, uh, to Britain and other agents, agent countries. Uh, one reason why they lost the war was because they were not unable to transport goods back and forth from the home front to the battlefield. Um, so, with the 7.2 million that the Russian gentleman received from the purchase of Alaska, Seward sold him railroad equipment. So, that money got put right back into the economy. So he sold the Russians the, all this railroad equipment and I mean anyway also um, 7.2 million in today's money is uh, 185 million it's not, not not that much
0: I mean if you're talking about an <laughs> a, a, a speck of land the size of Alaska that's that doesn't seem like uh, like a whole lot of, considering we generate billions of dollars and yeah. oil revenue yeah I think the argument
1: year. with it being also in Juneau is that, I have not looked at what people are saying, but it's probably the controversy over Alaska wasn't owned by the Russians to begin with. It was not anyone's land. Even the native people who lived here did not consider it their land. And um, the, the analogy I like to use with the United States buying uh, Russia, or excuse me, buying Alaska from Russia, it's like uh, we we bought a stolen car. Russia took it and sold it, and. You can go on and on about, like, the, the borders and the, how much territory. and um, I'll give you a question. If you took all of the land that Russia actually controlled and, quote, air quotes, owned, all of the land the whole time they were here, how much land do you think that was? No idea. 200 acres. So, you know, a state the size of Europe, they own 200 acres, so a farm. I mean, at homesteaders, when they came to Alaska, the largest homesteads were about 160. So, of the entire state, that's how much land they controlled. And they never went anywhere inland. Well, there's a couple times where Russian merchants did go up rivers and deal with trades and furs and stuff. But really, they didn't, they didn't even know what was here. So, but yeah, um, that's my deal on Seward. He also tried to buy uh, Iceland. The Philippines, Puerto Rico, uh, (laughs) Cuba—he's got a a, lot of real estate. Yeah, he he was a realtor. Yeah, (laughs)
0: he was—he was basically like a like a two or three hundred years before Kelly Griebel.
1: Yeah, you know Kelly Griebel should be wearing (laughs) William Seward shirts.
0: Maybe uh, William Seward should be wearing Kelly Griebel shirts. It's possible.
1: We should put William Seward's face on outdoor benches
0: it's true you (laughs) can go to the grocery store and you can sell see William Seward and and Kelly Griebel. everything they touch turns to sold
1: yeah yeah
0: Yeah. um so what are some other cool sort of forgotten things uh historically uh, either with Alaska or with Kenai specifically on the peninsula on the peninsula Well, what can you tell me about the effects of the 1964 earthquake?
1: It was disastrous. I mean, everybody, everybody knows that. It, we Kenai fared off, fared better because we have a, a gravel, more of a gravel foundation, so the land was able to just rock and roll. But there was still, you know, trees touching the ground. Um, I just one fun fact about that in terms of Kenai: uh, we got rescue money. And somehow we used it to build the Canby Theater, the first uh, movie theater. First and, incarnation yeah, of the... Ca- okay. Yeah, okay. But I, I mean, there's, there's a lot to... It's a pretty broad subject, and uh, um, I, I only know what the, you know, most people know already. One thing I can say about the um, construction of the, the military base was um, what followed and um, how that one base transformed um, our community's identity for some time and that was a woman by the name of Edith Sutton I'm getting her name messed up but she goes by Edie. Everybody knows her as Edie. Even her bar which was like Edie's Night Tavern Club was just called Edie's. So this lady um, she had a pretty rough and tough life Um, she was ran away from home at 14, she was married by 15, and she supported herself by being an exotic dancer. And um, she worked her way up north and um, eventually landing in Anchorage, Alaska, uh, doing the same occupation. And as soon as word got out that there was to be an army base uh, in this fishing town of Kenai, Alaska, she uh, applied for uh, a homestead and actually she did do that but first she used her life savings I think it was like eight thousand four hundred dollars it was pretty good back then um, and bought a chunk of land right outside where um, right outside of the entrance to the base so so she, she knew what she was doing she knew that the sh- soldiers would leave base uh, on their time off and there you go there's a bar and a, you know,
0: dance club that's that's actually just as uh, traditional as a military base is oh, having yeah. a dancing lady place right next to it. Yeah. Um, there are bases, military bases all over the world that are adjacent to dancing lady clubs. Um, it, it's like one comes with the other because if you've got a bunch of young men stuck in the middle of nowhere with nothing to spend their money on. Now they have something to spend their money on, and it's dancing ladies. Well, they're going to spend their money on the dancing ladies.
1: Yeah, unlike the dancing ladies uh, clubs, when we were in the military, maybe not you, but for me anyway, um, you you could only look, no touching. But whereas with Edie's, she had girls that were ladies of the night for many a nights, and uh, that set off, you know, a lot of controversy, and scuffle about um, prostitution and kenai. And um, from everyone that I've spoken to from that period, everyone knew what was going on, but only a few people really got upset about it. And um, she, this ED, she became a staple in the community. She um, helped people out when they uh, were in need of work and, or um, food or money. She helped them by uh, providing jobs that um, um, would also benefit her. Uh, she just, w- would go out to um, some of these oil workers and just leave them sandwiches. Uh, for Some of her friends and customers just go bring people food. She brought her girls to the college, the local college in Kenai, and made sure that they got an education, which if, I mean, that's just altruism at its finest right there.
0: That was a conversation that we shared <laughs> with Professor Boris. Uh, he was telling us that, you know, like, they're, these girls, some of them went on to be doctors and lawyers. And, mm-hmm. and so it'd be really interesting to, to talk to some of these ladies now, um, at least those that would be willing to share their stories. Um, I've spoken to um, to people who were at Edie's retirement party. Yeah, she and did a lap
1: dance at age 70, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I've, I've got a friend who who received an Edie lap dance. Wow. Um, you know, and that's... There's something to be said about that. Like she, she had a good time, and she, but she participated in the community. A lot of people kept their lights on because, um, because the there was a madam who kept the lights on. Yeah, yeah, and very much uh, ahead of her time as far as um, you know what a feminist is and and taking ownership of of yourself and your body. Now, do you know if Edie had kids? Yeah, she had one son. Okay, is he still around? I believe he is.
1: But, I mean, as you can imagine, these people are hard to get a hold of. Yeah, I, yeah. I want to talk about your mom and her, and her prostitution <laughs> ring.
0: <laughs> Let's talk about the 60s and 70s and, and Mama Edie, if you don't mind. Um, it would definitely be interesting. It would be some interesting conversations to have, and I think that we were talking, not we were, they were talking about it on the radio today, on, on Dwayne Bannock's show, um, uh, about if you have to replace... Statues of people uh, in this community. If someone were to get upset about uh, the Boy Scout statue at the Eric Hansen uh, Memorial Park, right? Okay. Who who would you replace that with? I mean, I, I went with George Carlin because he was funny and he's a veteran. But but in a very real way, like it, there are people in this community and there are people who've lived in this community who probably should have statues uh, commemorating what they did. How you feel about them, one way or the other. I I don't think necessarily um, matters as much as their contribution to the community, uh, whether it's uh, changing community college uh, drive to uh, Allen Boras Road or uh, or anything else. I mean, I think that Edie is one of those characters that I think only exists in rural Alaska in the middle of nowhere who kind of becomes one of our heroes the same way that, um, you know, someone like say, uh, Matt Brown from AK 49, yeah, yeah. um, nice. contributing to the community, the, the, the greater good of the community, whether it's a uh, race for recovery or all the different sports teams, he's, you know, all, all the stuff that he does, mm-hmm. whether it's, uh, during breakup season, going through the parks with a gang of people to pick up, uh, needles. Yeah. Um, Edie is is one of those people, you know, um, and and I think that you only get those people in, in a small town in a small community where winters can be really crappy. Yeah. Um, and she provided lots of people with a warm place to spend the night. She
1: did. She did. <laughs> um, yeah. For those also who don't, who's never heard of Edie, she did have a homestead, and she trapped and hunted and fished for meat, uh, just like any other, you know, any tough man did that you hear about or read about. Um, yet she also wore, like, jewelry and this iconic leopard coat, real leopard skin coat, and looked like the balls, just looked like she's not from here. But she still did, the, you know, all that tough work. She she I've read about her using a chainsaw, because her neighbor didn't like her, so her neighbor would, you know, cut over, cut a tree to land over her driveway, and then I think like one time she did it to him, and she put um, like a chain in the tree so that when he went to the chainsaw, it would break and stuff. And they were just doing dirty shit to each other. But yeah, and then so to think, think of um, you know Alaska homestead, a rugged life. And then also someone who's got a beehive blonde hair and jewelry and leopard and um, owns a brothel. So that was her. Um, but yeah, those also with you know the um, humanist altruistic things that she did, like helping the community, bringing those girls to college to get an education. That's just incredible.
0: The the flip side of that is this was at a time where. I don't know how much of a demand there was for higher education on the Kenai Peninsula, but she kept those professors employed. Mm-hmm. She kept the lights on for a lot of different businesses in the community. Yeah, so
1: it was very difficult to keep the college going at that time, and that's why
0: they, it's still difficult to well, keep well, the college <laughs> going. Yeah, I, I, we even, need more EDs. Even, even, even um, worse
1: mm-hmm. than at first, the college operated out of the high school, and then they got their building, and then. Um, you know, not enough people were going to school for finance and, you know, art history. So they had to make classes like cabin building, <laughs> which I think is pretty awesome. But only in, you know, Kenai, Alaska, were they like, oh, crap, we need to get more students. Let's uh, let's get a two-credit class on trapping links, <laughs> building a cabin, building a boat. That was one of them, too. Awesome. Yeah, I, I, I would like to do that.
0: I think these are more useful uh, more useful. Avenues to, to go down than, than a lot of the things that are presented to us as uh, beneficial to our futures. I, um, I think that if, if I knew how to build a canoe, I'd probably be building canoes. Yeah, I got a C in art class. Oh, see, it'd be way cooler to build a cabin. Yeah. Yeah. Way better.
1: Yep, so well, that's Edie. Um, but yeah, back to what you were talking about with iconography uh, and statues i th- I would like one of Edie i I really would however, I don't think anybody in our generation would know what that meant anymore or knew who she was and you know, kind of see that with like keenai Joe I don't know what people think about Kenai Joe's, but um that's a real person who who owned that and operated that bar and he was his name is Joe Conseil and he came from Poland he came from Poland immigrated to the United States and then during World War One, enlisted in the army, the U.S. Army, to represent his new country. Um, he he didn't end up deploying. The war had ended right before his ship actually took uh, took off, departure from the mainland. Um, but, yeah, he definitely served in the military. He came to Alaska, and uh, I think with his brother, and they did many jobs fishing um, timber industry, and he opened opened uh this bar Kenai Joe's and uh yeah um he he also had little smaller jobs like um lighthouse operator there used to be lighthouses out here on the bluff and uh people would be that was their job was to go up there and shine the guiding lights for these ships to come in and yeah he did that so it would be nice to have some type of like placard or statue to uh, commemorate the real Kenai Joe and uh his, his first signs at the bar were um, keen, like, to be particularly sharp or witty. And then there was an eyeball. And then he's the keen eye, Joe. Yeah. So, I like
0: it. I dig it.
1: Yeah. Um, going back to what you said about Dr. Boris, his name replacing the Community College Road, which is a pretty bland, generic name, Community College Road. Um, he was actually against putting names of people on landmarks. He didn't like, uh, um, well, naming naming streets after uh, people. Um, going to a lake and all of a sudden it's Michael's Lake. He just that was something I, uh, I remember from him. He just wasn't about naming things, unless it was to commemorate somebody else. But that's just him being humble, I'm sure.
0: Um, when you um, when you think about Professor Boris, uh. Life and I, we could do a whole podcast on yeah. Professor Boris, and we probably should just as well as Keen I Joe. Um, what do you think uh, the legacy is? Um, in In fifty years, what would you like people to remember about Professor Boris?
1: He's like a chameleon. He became what is Alaska. He um, was, I think, the only honorary member of the Kanaitse tribe, I could be wrong there, but he was from Minnesota, and he is a member of a you know, an indigenous nation, that's incredible, and then he, he didn't get that overnight, he got that by really, really respecting um, the tribe and uh, um, learning their language he created with, along with Peter Kalifonsky, um a dictionary, you can learn the language of the Kanaitse people you can do it online still today. Um, he didn't just respect um, the the K'n-I-T people or the people of Alaska. He, um, like, like I said, he just became a part of them. <clears throat> it's it's hard to think of like good things to say about somebody because you can you can say uh, some anybody is great. Anybody's awesome, but um, with with Dr. Boris, he was a wealth of knowledge. He had a sense of humor, and he was just wise beyond um, any recognition. And um, was a great person, great professor. Yeah. So his legacy is: uh, if you really want to know something, become a part of it.
0: Okay. Yeah. Now, what would you say to someone who has not uh, checked out the historical village of Old Town Kenai?
1: Well, if you haven't been here, um, I'm I'm actually sure you have. Um, The most common thing that I hear from visitors is, I had no idea that this was here, this being this little uh, fenced-in museum of cabins that I work in. Um, this park called cabin park. There's five cabins here and each one of them was lived in obviously by a family and has its own story um, But also each cabin has a particular theme so right now we're in the Miller cabin and um, it's an exhibit the whole cabin is a, is a Small museum to commemorate the life of uh, Fiona Miller whereas another cabin uh, was is the Arnes cabin and uh, that was obviously lived in by Peggy Arnes and uh, she was a lifelong teacher. So what we've done with that cabin is um, converted it into a a small museum of what um, education in school was like um, in Alaska and Kenai before statehood. So um, it is a really unique um, little uh, display of Kenai history and um, every cabin uh, has its own little um, bit to tell. And what I do here is I do lots of research. Um, with um, the, about the families and the people who lived here, the, uh, the equipment that's here um, and I also uh, give lectures I give tours if you will and um, not to mention I take care of the grass <laughs> um, Old Town Kenai though, it's such a strange, unique awesome chunk of land it, this was the hub this was ta- the town that's why it's called Old Town um, outside of this little town uh, there were very few roads and just cabins, you know, sprawled out um, this is where people went to meet where they went to the bar where they went to the grocery store um, very small, but yeah, this, this was it for a long time this is also um, a collective um, area a village of the Kanaitzu, um from the past and uh, they, they came here for one reason because of um, salmon supply um, and then also, this is also where the Russians docked and set up for So um, Old Town Kenai, as well as this cabin park, um, I teach the three pillars, what I call the three pillars of Kenai, which are the indigenous um, Dena'ina Kenaitse, the Russians, and then of course the American homesteaders. Um, and all of that is uh, on display and represented in this strange area. I call it strange because Nobody knew what Alaska was going to be or what Kenai was going to be. Um, there's these, you know, uh, national historic uh, landmarks of you know the Russian church and, and other buildings, but then there's also like apartments sprung out every um, all over the place, and uh, you have like this old history vibe with more modern um, development, and uh, yeah, obviously the, the apartments came from BP, Exxon, Texaco, um, Mobile, um, to get their employees to Kenai and have a place to live they didn't know what would happen you know after after a few years so that's why they're they're here but yeah Old Town Kenai long history three
0: three pillars what uh, um alright what is your favorite little known fact about uh, the Kenai Peninsula historically jeez
1: how back in history are we talking as far back as you want to go. Okay. Because I know that the, that there's a fish that's extinct now that swam in kenai in the, in the cooking um It's the saber-tooth salmon.
0: Is Tell it, me about the saber-tooth salmon.
1: Six feet in length, one thousand pounds, and turns out it doesn't have a saber tooth. It just has like warthog tusks. Okay.
0: Yeah. So when did it <laughs> when did it go extinct?
1: I think like fifty thousand years ago. Okay. Right. A Long, long time ago, it just uh, wasn't overfished. Okay, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, known facts. Uh, just the fact that, you know, there's the old town Kenai, or excuse me, the uh, Battle of Kenai. But also, um, after after Alaska was purchased by the United States, we we as the you know, country sent troops here. We sent U.S. troops to Kodiak and Kenai, and they were here in Kenai. That's why it's called Fort Kenai because they mispronounced the the word. Um, They had Fort Kanae here um, with F-battery 2nd Field Artillery. So there were about over 100 troops just marching around all the time, not fighting anybody uh, here in Kenai. Just hanging out. Some of them, actually more than half of them, were um, Civil War veterans. So, I mean, you never hear about this in school books, that Civil War veterans, former slaves, and a bunch of Irish immigrants... Were put together in this unit and sent. That's a TV show right there. <laughs> it's <laughs> almost sent, a sitcom. Sent to uh, Alaska to make sure there's, you know, n- to ensure order, um, which I, I don't, I don't, I'm sure they did well. Dr. Boris told me that he read their log, where it was like they'd wake up at six and do their drills, and then they switch it to eight because the it was the more daylight, less daylight. You know what I mean? So with um Less daylight, they changed it to wake up at 8 a.m. or something and do their marching. And uh, four soldiers went AWOL. <laughs> Where are you going to go? You're
0: To, to <laughs> die? That's yeah. what you do. You're going to go AWOL yeah. in the woods, and I, either a bear's going to get you I or exposure.
1: These four, probably Irish kids, went AWOL and then they hung out with the native people and then they were eventually sent back and got in trouble. Yeah, so that's that's just that's a little known fact right there. U.S. Army Civil War era troops, some of them Civil War veterans, come to Kenai, Alaska, to fight the mosquitoes. But here's the thing: this is really sad, actually. I do believe that they got along with the native people who were here, helped them to fish and hunt. Which, by the way, the Russians would not have survived at all if it wasn't for the natives helping them out. Um, which backfired, obviously, but. Um, yeah, so after being here in Kenai for 17 months, F Battery was sent to Idaho to fight the Indians after being helped along by the Indians. Whack. Yeah. History is nothing but rape, bloodbath, and murder speckled with a few cool people on inventions.
0: We're at the... This is the best time to be alive. That's what I'm saying. We've gone I think every time is the best time to be alive. like there's no more interesting time to be alive than whenever it is that you are alive. There's always something going on to be excited or, or conflicted about. I believe
1: because of Stephen Pinker's book, The Better Angels of Our Nature, that um, this is the most peaceful time in human existence. We've gone. How long was World War II 75 years? It's been a minute. Yeah, It's been a minute. We haven't had a major um, international conflict since then. Um, I think Europe hasn't been at war with other European states except for the time when, 1956, when Russia invaded Hungary. But anyway, yeah, very few wars going on. But you also
0: have mutually assured destruction, right? Like everybody has nuclear weapons, which leads me to... To, to go down the rabbit hole of nuclear weapons aren't real because if everybody has them, then nobody's using them.
1: Well, here's the thing. With nuclear weapons, more countries have acquired nuclear arms and then got rid of them than present-day countries with nuclear arms. More have re- you know received the weapons and said that this is not what we want to do, got rid of them, than those who currently have them. People are learning from the past that with nukes and with um, mustard gas, ironically. Those are the two weapons used in war that people knew were effective and decided not to use them again. We're getting better as a species. I, I hope so. I hope so. I hope right. so.
0: The only, the only other way it goes is, is mutually assured destruction. And that's, um, I think, what a lot of people are afraid of. One of the things that, that has uh, recently come out, I, I believe it was on thehill.com, uh, one of those sites was talking about... Um, China's EMP. Um, Are you familiar with EMPs? Mm -mm. Basically, uh, electromagnetic pulses uh, able to kill all electronics. Uh, And then, allegedly, they have hypersonic missiles that are aimed at us in space all the time. My feeling on that is that... A... There is a reason that the Chinese government sends spies to our universities and then they try and pillage our, our best professors. Uh, you saw that recently. I believe one of the guys' names, Dr. Laberman, hmm. uh, out of Harvard or MIT very recently, um, was uh, recently charged with treason. And I say that to say this, right? Like All of our best stuff is ends up, uh, that that ends up being manufactured in china ends up being bootlegged right so whatever we have like whatever their best weapons are we're at least six months to a year ahead of them okay okay um and so whatever their whatever their weapons are i'm not overly concerned because whatever they've got we're we're a couple steps ahead we've we've um, thought about was it the Heligan dialectic um, the, the problem solution uh, matrix like you create the problem so that you can sell the solution <laughs> so if we have if they have this then what do we have like that's why rating Area 51 was a very bad idea that's where they test the stuff that can vaporize you from space so invading them would have been a really, really bad idea, regardless if you got 20,000 people running at once. It wasn't going to be some Air Force Security Forces guy with an M4 that was shooting Americans. Mm. It would be um, some AI something or other that is liquefying people in the middle of the desert.
1: Wow. Well, as Einstein put it, I do not know which weapons will be used to fight World War III But I know that World War IV will be fought with sticks.
0: As per 3AAC 306.360, Alaska Marijuana Control Board Cannabis Use Warning A. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. B. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. C. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. D. For use by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. And E. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding.